Thank you guys for worshiping together with us. We are going to dive back into the 23rd Psalm, so grab your Bibles, and uh, we're going to say our creed together before Neil comes and uh, reads the text for us. Uh, so let's just kind of set our hearts together in the way that we do every week. And uh, no matter where you are, say this out loud with me together. No matter how awkward that might be, let's declare this. We believe this. The Bible is the Word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. So, Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind and give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. Neil's going to come and read our text this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Neil. Fantastic job. I appreciate you reading the text for us today as we focus in on this final verse. Verse number six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I got to confess for years and years and years, decades, every single time I've heard this verse, specifically the beginning part, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. I have thought instantly of this movie clip. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. And I I think of that not just because that's a phenomenal movie clip and it's hysterical. I think of that because here's the image or the, the picture in my mind, right? Much of the Bible we know was actually written by a scribe, a person who would write down what we call the author was telling them to write down on their behalf, right? And so I just have this image in my head of King David being like, write this down. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. And the scribe is like, I know they will, but stop calling me Shirley, right? I like, I see this in the robes and the whole thing because I'm weird. But I, I totally have that in my mind. But I focus on that word, surely, because it's actually a really important word. We can be sure. We can be confident. We can be stable and assured of this truth. And that's a bigger deal to me today than it was a couple months ago. Here's what I mean. It seems like with every press conference I've watched, with every news report I've read about after the fact, there's not a lot of assurance. There's not a lot of confidence in what's being spoken. It sounds to me like a lot of guessing and like a lot of political spin or double talk and like, hey, Texas can have church again, but not really because it's going to be impossible to have church. You know, it's been this like kind of double talk thing. And here's the deal. In the midst of all this unknown, in the midst of all these questions, there is something that is sure. And it's this. Because your good shepherd is for you, goodness and mercy are following you all the days of your life. That's something that you can be sure of. That's something that we don't have to fact check. That's not something that sounds like spin. We can be sure. And today, I'm looking for stuff that I can be assured of. 
we can be sure, focus on this, that goodness and mercy shall follow us. Goodness and mercy. And not just like in a generic and abstract way, although that would be great. It would be great to know that good stuff is coming after us. It would be great to know that any kind of mercy was coming after us. Because I don't know about you, I like good things. Good things are good. <laughs> right? They're, they're better than bad things. And I don't know about you, but I need a lot of mercy in my life. But I don't think this is just generic goodness or generic mercy from some abstract source. No, I believe that this is a picture of God himself. As a matter of fact, somebody called Jesus good, a good rabbi. And we have this in multiple Gospels, but specifically in Mark chapter 10. We have this moment where he calls Jesus good, and Jesus questions him back. Why do you call me good? There is no one good except God alone. That's the words of Jesus. He alone is good. And so when it says that goodness is following me, I believe that's God himself following after us. Well, then we have this picture of mercy following, following us, right? And here's the deal. Multiple times in the New Testament, God is called, referred to, given the name, the Father of all mercy. <laughs> like, he's the daddy of all mercy. Any mercy that comes across our path had the origin story of beginning with God. It, he, he impregnated that moment with mercy in advance for us. He's the father of it. He's the beginner of all mercy that comes across our path. So what's following us is God himself. He's the one who's behind us, who's after us. So have you ever been somewhere in public, like, remember way back a generation ago when we could go to the mall? Okay, I know some of us can go to the mall now in little groups, right? But you ever walk into a store and you see this person and you walk into the next store and that same person walks in behind you, you go to another store and there they are again and you're like, what in the world is going on? This person's following me. Here's what's crazy. Whatever room you walk into, God is following you. Whatever situation you walk into, God is following you. Whatever life change you walk into, God is following after you. God is your stalker. Okay, not in a creepy way, that sounds really like heresy or whatever, but like he's following after you. God himself, the great I am, the king of the universe, is following after you. What an incredible picture that he has your back. God has your back. What an amazing thing. It's good to know that your friends have your back, right? This month when I lost my dad, so many of you were like, hey, how can I help? What do you need? We'll be there. And that is amazing to experience. And we in our relationship, for some of you, I've been on the other side of those texts. When you've lost a loved one, it's, it's great to know that we've got people who have our back. Man, I'm telling you this. Almighty God has your back today. He is following after you. But we saw a few weeks ago, or a few verses ago, that he leads us, right? He leads us by still waters, that where I are, that where I am, rather, isn't where he's going to leave me. That as long as I'm living, he's still leading, that he's going to lead me in the right paths, right? So God is ahead of us. And then we look two weeks ago at the fact that he's with us. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with us. And now we read today that he's behind us. 
That's the amazing truth about the, the glory of God is that he's ahead of us, he's beside us, and he's behind us. What an amazing reality. Psalm 139 paints this picture. And by the way, since we're finishing Psalm 23, if you're looking for something to, to kind of fuel the flame of your walk with God this week, here's the challenge. I, I challenge you this week to read Psalm 139 every day for the next week. Read it slowly. Just kind of walk through it. Man, it's really ministered to me in the last few days. Uh, Psalm 139. But verse number 5 uses this language. The psalmist says, you hem me in. You hem me in. Interesting picture. Behind and before. And you're not just behind and before me. Then he says, you're close enough to lay your hand upon me. So, you're behind me, you're before me, and you're close enough to put your hand on my shoulder. That's how hemmed in we are by God Almighty. What an amazing truth. And, and I think that truth is so incredible, it's beyond us. Which is what the next verse says. Verse 6 says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Like the closeness of God that he's behind us and before us and beside us, is so incredible that it's above our pay grade to even grasp the reality of that power. That's how present God is. And so where in life is that true, that he's behind us, before us, and beside us? Well, listen, where can I go from your spirit, verse 7 says. Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the place of the dead, you're there. And if I take the wings of the morning. If I sprout wings and fly. Dear God, make me a bird so I can fly far, far away. Like if I sprout wings and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. That's how hemmed in you are today, friend. Goodness and mercy shall follow you. From the same shepherd who's leading you and who's present with you in whatever valley you find yourself in. That's how present he is. The prophet Isaiah says it this way, and this is extraordinarily powerful to me. Isaiah 52 says, the Lord, Yahweh himself, the great I am, will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. And what an incredible thing to know that God has our back. But he's not just following us like in some passive way, like just waiting to see where we go next. There's an intensity that's implied about this way that the shepherd follows us. It's actually best captured in the New Living Translation of this verse that says, goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. Like, it's not that God's just following after us to see where we go. He's not curious about that. He already knows. It's that he's chasing after us. Goodness and mercy are actively pursuing us to catch up with us when Sometimes we make the decision to, to run away from it. He's still pursuing us. So let me share this story from my childhood. I was around four or five years old, but I remember this distinct moment as clear as if it were yesterday. My mom and I had gone to visit somebody in the church that, uh, that my parents were, were pastoring there. And, and my mom often took me when she would go to visit somebody because she couldn't leave me at home because my older brothers might would kill me, right? So some of y'all are living that in this quarantine mess. Don't judge, right? She would have to take me to make sure that I would be living. And so we went to this particular house. 
And I can't remember if we made it the whole way to the door and actually knocked on the door or if we were almost to the door. But what I do remember is when we got close enough, a big old ticked off pit bull came flying around from the back of the house. And I mean, this dude was ready for dinner, man. He saw five-year-old little me and was like, okay, that's one gulp. Let's go. It's time for a treat. And man, he was chasing hard ground, coming and attacking. And so I did what any young man would do with his mother. Any brave young man in the making, a brave soldier in the making, I took off and left my mom, stranded her in the dust, and ran as fast as I could. It's a wonder I didn't push her towards the dog, because I was in save yourself kind of mode. I bolted on my mom and left her in the pursuit of a giant pit bull. But because I was running, I think this pit bull was so ticked off, he was like, oh, good, he's going to make it interesting. Now he's prey. (laughs) And so he just started running after me. And so I actually was saving my mother's life, although that wasn't my motive. And my mom is yelling, don't run. It'll make him chase you. And I'm like, the what? (laughs) I'm running as fast as I can to get away from this. And here's the incredible thing. Somebody needs to hear this today. The God of the universe is like a relentless pit bull chasing after you with goodness and with mercy today. And you can't outrun him. Somehow, they stopped that dog from attacking me, right? But what I believe about the Good Shepherd, nobody can stop him from getting to to you what's best for you. Nothing can stop him from getting mercy to meet whatever mistake you've made, whatever regret you're carrying. It is pit bull relentless chasing after you. That's what it means to say, I can be sure that goodness and mercy shall follow me. And that's not just true for today, because the text says that'll be true all the days of my life. The good days and the bad days. The days that make sense and the days that don't make any sense. The days where we know what's coming next and we got this and the days when we're not sure how we're going to make it through the next step in the story Every day of our life, I can have confidence. I can be sure that goodness and mercy are pursuing me. And I don't know about you, I I go through most days, I confess, pretty unaware of the pursuit of God's goodness. Pretty unaware of the pursuit of God's presence and the pursuit of his mercy. I miss a lot of the moments where his mercy has rescued me from me. In the, the rush and the pace of our life, going from one thing to the next and running late for this and but hoping we didn't forget about the other thing. In that pace of life, and I think we're often unaware of the fact that the God of all goodness and the God of all mercy is pursuing us. And he'll, he'll do that all the days of our life. We, we will never outrun the pursuit of the good shepherd. And what hope for this life? What peace for this life? That we're being pursued by the goodness And if that's true for this life, then the question is, what about the next? What about after this life? Which is the remainder of this final verse here. Where it declares with faith, I shall dwell. I'm going to dwell. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm so glad that that this psalm ends with dwelling in God's house. Like, not just we'll be in his presence. Again, in some generic sense, we'll be at home with him. We'll be in the dwelling place of God. And that's good news for me. 
during this quarantine thing, you may have seen a story. It went viral, went all over the country, that a guy snuck into Disneyland parks and he went to Adventure Island and was camping out on Adventure Island. They had to bring in helicopter and boats and whatever and finally found the guy. And here's the deal. If you're going to break into Disneyland, why are you going camping? Why, why would you? I don't know why people ever go camping. I'll be real honest with you. I'm incredibly grateful that I get to live in this day and age with running water, with HVAC, with, with, with a, a indoor bathrooms. I'm really glad. And those of you who want to go camping, I think you're ungrateful. Yeah. I, I think you're ungrateful to want to go sleep outside. You don't have to do that anymore. Be grateful that we live indoors, man. Here, here's my picture of camping. My ideal campsite. I'm going to paint the picture for you. Ready? My ideal campsite has first uh, city water run to it and city sewage run to it underground, has electrical run to it underground, and some Cat5 cable, right? And then it comes up out of the ground and we pour some concrete there, right? A good concrete slab on my campsite, right? And then on top of that concrete slab on my campsite, we're going to build walls. And we'll put windows in case at any moment we want to pretend like we like the outdoors. But then we're going to put a roof on top of that, like a good secure one that keeps all the elements out. And then we're going to use that running water to build a really nice bathroom with, like, running water and a shower and stuff, right? And then we're going to use that electricity to install lights and central heat and air, right? That's my vision of a campsite. And you know what that's called? A house. (laughs) That's called a house. That's my vision of camping is I don't want to leave the house. And, and I say all that to say, God's not just preparing a place for you to crash. And, and that would be enough. If God let us sleep on his couch, that would be glorious enough. But no, we're, we're going to dwell forever in the dwelling place, the residency, the set up a home of God himself. He's not just going to get us through. He's preparing a place for us. That's how good he is. And that is some good news. And I love that that's how this psalm ends, because he's been leading us. He, he's been providing for us. He's, he's made us. He's intervened and made us lie down in green pastures. He's led us by still waters. He's led us in the, even in the valley of the shadow of death. He's been with us. But I love that this psalm ends by telling us where we're headed. We're headed home. As a matter of fact, there's a great picture painted in Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, we see the lamb seated on the throne. That lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. In in verse 17 of Revelation 7, this is how it's worded. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. Man, the the one who's our shepherd in this life is going to be our shepherd in the next life. And here's what he'll do. He will guide them to springs of living water. Not just still water. That was good enough. But what's waiting for us is eternal living water. And then that verse concludes, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's what's waiting for us. Whatever we're walking through today, we know where we're going. We know how the journey ends. We know how the story ends. And that will be our home. Look at the last word of this song. Forever. The idea of forever is so crucial because it reminds us that all of the pain of this life, all the grief of this life and the unknown and the 
unexpected. It's temporary. When we face fear or when we face grief, it's very real. It's just not forever. For those of us who are following the the good shepherd, we know that it's temporary. We know that this isn't our final dwelling place. This isn't the end of our story. And when we look at our life, the things we're most afraid of and don't understand, what we know is these things will not destroy us. These things do not have to defeat us. These things do not define us. They are temporary. Our forever eternal dwelling is secure. It's sure. It's something we can trust. And we look to that. And when we look to that, it gives us focus to this pain. And what we believe it is that these temporary trials are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed. That's our forever. And I've talked before about the fact that the way I watch football, you remember back when we used to have sports? Yeah, well, when I watch football, I will DVR the game so I can skip the commercials and so I can look at what the score is going to be. I've shared this before. It drives Marisa crazy. But I watch it differently when I know the outcome. That's true for all of us following the Good Shepherd. We walk through the seasons of life differently because we know how the story ends. We have a forever home. We have a forever dwelling place. And that makes all the difference with how we walk in the here and now. This is an eternal promise that changes our temporary reality, our present reality. When we look to that eternal promise, it changes how we live here and now. We know how it's going to end. And I think for all of us, that's a really healthy perspective because we've been confronted with the idea of eternity lately. All of us have. We've, We've been, I think, reminded that eternity is indeed written on our hearts. Every day we're seeing updates about COVID-19 deaths. And those of you out there who are are skeptical or or numbers people, you're like, yeah, but that's still deaths and heart disease and and obesity and even uh, the regular flu, that's still less deaths. Well, then why is everybody freaking out so bad? Here's why. We're used to ignoring death. We're used to pretending that we're invincible. We don't talk about heart disease deaths every day unless it confronts us by taking a family member. We don't talk about how many people die from the flu because we don't want to think about it. Somebody said to me at the beginning of all this, they said the reason everybody seems to be freaking out is we just found out that we were wrong. We're not actually invincible. The fact is eternity is written on our hearts. And we will spend forever somewhere. We've been confronted with how frail life is, and that can be a gift. I know all of us in the Temple family, when when Emily passed away because of COVID-19, We were confronted right here and now, losing my dad this month. What we've been confronted, life isn't forever. I've sat with many of you, either in the final moments of a loved one or just afterwards. And what I can say is this, and friend, I'd ask you here what I'm about to say. There are two very different kinds of death. In the Lord and not. Two very different kinds of death in the Lord and not. And I'm just telling you, for those who are walking with a loved one or for an individual facing the end of their life, but knowing that they're in Jesus, knowing that they're following the Good Shepherd, it's a whole different deal. It's a whole different thing. It's even 
I know this is crazy, kind of beautiful. As a matter of fact, Psalm 116 says, verse 15 says, precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. Our God is so glorious and so good and the forever he has prepared is so beyond imagination that even the nastiest thing we face on earth, death itself, is precious through the lenses of the good shepherd. That's how good he is. And so my question to you is, don't waste this wake-up call about how frail life is and not examine. Am I in Christ or not? Do I know for sure I've been born again or not? Do I know for sure I have a personal living relationship with God or not? And if you don't, I'm begging you today, would you please click the link that says, Can We Talk? We would love to have a conversation with you. You know why? Because we want you and your loved ones to experience the hope of forever that is sure. The hope of a home that is sure. The hope of the pursuit of goodness and the pursuit of mercy and the God where they come from all the days of this life and a forever in the presence of God home in the next life. That's what we believe is available for all of God's children. And and for those that do believe that's true for them, what we've been reminded these last six weeks is the life-transforming truth to be able to say the one and only great I am is my personal shepherd. Which means I shall not want. He satisfies the longings of my heart. I, I won't want for or lack anything I truly need or anything that's truly best for me. This good shepherd even intervenes in the pace of my life and makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. He doesn't leave me where I am. He leads me beside still waters. And he does all this because what he is relentlessly after is the restoration of our souls. He's going to lead us in the right paths for his name's sake. Because at the end of the day, this is all about him. All about his glory and all about his renown. We we are following after him knowing that even though we walk through dark times, even the valley of the shadow of death itself, we don't have to be captive to fear. We don't have to be controlled to fear. We don't have to fear evil itself because he is with us. And the brutal violence of his rod and the direction of his staff are where we find our comfort. He even prepares a a feast, a bounty. He's so good that even in the presence of our enemies, we can taste and see that he's good. He anoints us with his favor. Not just enough, but more than enough. Our cup overflows. And so we can be sure that goodness and mercy are going to chase after me all days of our life. And in the next, we'll be at home in the house of Yahweh forever. This is true for all of us who know we have a relationship with the good shepherd. Let's pray together. Father, we look to you in this moment with gratitude that you go before us, that you walk beside us, and that you pursue us from behind. We are indeed surrounded by your presence in this life, and confident 
of being at home with you in the next life. For that reason, we're at peace today. We have perspective today. We thank you for being our good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue to worship him and think about the life to come together. I love you.